Well, good morning. If you will, join with me in opening your scriptures, your Bible, to Luke chapter 22. I'm going to be reading from verses 14 through 20 this morning. Luke 22, 14 through 20. And when you get there, if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. And when the hour came, he reclined at table with, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You can be seated. If we were to meditate on this passage and not worship the king, we would fail miserably at understanding the fullness and experiencing the completeness of this text. So this morning's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be a normal morning where I stand up here, or David stands up here and talks to you about the text, explains the text over 20 or 30 minutes, and then hopefully gives you a couple of handles or applications that you can dwell on for the remainder of the week. But rather, this morning, I want to give you two or three ideas that you can reflect on, and we're going to create, hopefully, a space and a time, a moment where you can talk to the Father about those ideas. So it's going to be a little bit different. So let's get started. The text in the, first, in the 15th verse, Jesus is talking to his followers. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Make no mistake. Jesus knew exactly the time and the circumstance that he was sitting in. The cross was in his sight. From the time the creator spoke this world into existence, the cross has been in their sight. But in this moment, in this meal, with his followers, the cross was so evident it was palpable to the king. And he, he knew in the fullness of his humanity the pain and the suffering that was about to take place. But yet, at the same time, in the full divinity, the forgiveness and the freedom, the restoration and the reconciliation that was going to take place when his flesh hung upon that wooden beam. And he knew what was coming. So he earnestly desired as a friend to eat with his closest friends before that time took place. The men he had lived the past three years with, who he had walked with lockstep, laughing, crying, 
experiencing all of life, suffering, joyously celebrating, teaching the closest friends he had. He desired earnestly to eat this meal with them. He wanted to eat it as a friend. He also wanted to eat that meal with them as a rabbi, as the master teacher of all the lessons that had been taught. He understood that it was the lesson he was teaching during this meal that was the culmination of everything else that had taken place. So he wanted to earnestly, or he earnestly desired to eat this meal as a friend He earnestly desired to eat this meal as a rabbi, and he earnestly desired to eat this meal as God. To mark the transition from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, to the New Covenant, from law to grace, from slavery to freedom. From religion to relationship. As a friend, as a rabbi, and as God, he earnestly desired to spend time with his beloved. Christ earnestly desires to spend time with his beloved. Beloved, in this moment also, as our friend, as our rabbi, as our God. So I want us to take a moment and reflect on the fact that the King of Kings earnestly desires to hear your heart to know your mind and to speak into your life. Bow your heads. Get on your knees. Stand up and lift your arms. Whatever it takes for you to reflect and spend time with the Father. Now is that moment.
man that you would think upon us seated in the heavens on your throne and yet you say be still and know that I am God yet you want to hear from our hearts and hear from our minds and speak into our lives Lord may your name be forever exalted in the nations may your name be forever exalted in this world So we just spent a moment earnestly or reflecting on the fact that the King of Kings earnestly desires to hear our hearts, to hear our minds, and to speak into our lives. And, and I mentioned just a minute ago that he, he did that as a friend with his followers, and, and he did that as a rabbi, as a rabbi, as, as the master teacher. This was the culmination of all the past lessons. You see, the Passover was originated back in Egypt. And if you want to know the fullness of what's taking place here, you can, you can check out Exodus chapter 12 sometime during the week. Read through it. And grab a little bit more about what, what is actually taking place. But Jesus of Nazareth and the Jews every year from that time would celebrate or commemorate the Passover meal. It it started back in Egypt when they had been slaves to the Egyptians for over 400 years. And the meal was given to Moses as a directive to tell all of the Israelite families to slaughter a lamb and to take the blood and to wipe it on the doorposts. And when the angel of death who was to come came and saw the blood on the doorpost, the angel of death would, in fact, pass over that home. If there was no blood on the doorpost covering that family and that host, then the angel of death would, in fact, enter into that home and take the life of the firstborn child. And this was the plague that God sent that delivered the Israelite nation from slavery. So this meal served as a celebration of how God had delivered his people, the Israelite nation, from slavery to freedom. The meal would bring the people back to the Old Covenant. They would reflect on the Old Testament, on the law. And it's in verse 16 of our text where we see Jesus start to speak into that Old Testament law and remembrance When he says here, For I tell you, speaking of the bread, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And furthermore, in verse 18, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he continues in verse 19 and 20. And this is where everything shifted. This was the culmination of the lesson. In verse 19 he says, This is my body, speaking of the bread. This is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Oh, that's different than everything we've been doing for hundreds of years. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 
You see, his body has replaced the bread of the Passover meal. His blood has replaced the cup in the Passover meal. His blood is the linchpin of our new agreement with him. The new covenant is based in Jesus and not in the law. It is based in him and his work on the cross. You see, the Passover lamb was slaughtered so that the angel of death would pass over. The Paschal lamb was slaughtered on the cross as a payment for my sin, as a payment for your sin. And it is in the Paschal lamb's blood that we are transferred from sin to freedom. We are redeemed by his work on the cross. We have been transferred from slavery and the law to sonship and grace. We are now co-heirs with the son of the most high God. co-heirs. Sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters. Family. I want us to take a moment and reflect on the fact that we are co-heirs with Jesus co-heirs with the king. We are no longer slaves condemned by our actions or our lack thereof. We have been placed in the hands of the Messiah and he has never lost one of us. We are co-heirs. You have to understand the mind-blowing activity that's taking place in Luke chapter 22 for these men. Their identity and their worth is all wrapped up in the fact that they are a part of the Israelite nation, in the fact that they are part of the circumcision covenant with God. And Jesus is saying that isn't what matters anymore. Your worth is not found in your bloodline. Your worth is found in me and what I have done for you. I am the one imputing my righteousness upon you. You are a co-heir with me, the son of the most high God. And that changes everything. His grace is free, is freely given. You've got to understand that the Paschal Lamb, who is the author of eternal life, freely offers it to you and me and says, as my co-heir, come and rest. Feel my grace. Your sins are gone. The slate is wiped clean. Oh, it changes everything. Our identity, our value, who we are is found in who Jesus has created us to be. Take a minute and reflect on the fact that you are a co-heir with the King of Kings.
I don't think we fully grasp it, Father. I don't think we can. But help us. Co-heirs. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Furthermore, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ So in just a second, we're going to take of the bread and the cup. So I want to invite you in the next few minutes to go ahead and pull back that top layer of cellophane and expose the bread and hang on to it for just a second. He earnestly desired to eat with his friends, to be their rabbi, to be their God. So what does communion mean to you and me? Among many other things, it is, one, a proclamation in our belief in the validity that Jesus Christ was crucified. It is a public proclamation when we take these elements. It is a private resolution or declaration for those of you who don't like the word resolution. It is a private moment where you say, I will follow you, Jesus, and you only. And I know sometimes that means suffering. But I commit myself to you. At the same time, it's a prayer because we know we're going to need the strength to live out a life that actually imitates our Lord and Savior. It's a prayer that is answered and fulfilled in the strength that only comes from Christ so that we can live out that life. It is an expression of belief that he will give us that strength. It is a prayer for a living union with Christ. Yes, it is also an expression of that belief that that prayer has already been answered and that Christ does, in fact, live in us, in our hearts. It is that expression of belief, of union with him that forces us to live a life focused on eternal ramifications. In other words, what I think what I say, the actions that I take are founded in the fact that they have eternal repercussions. 
eternal ramifications. I no longer believe and know that I will live and die in this world and there's nothing afterwards. But in fact, in, the, in my union with Christ, he will raise me. I will live with him forever. And we confess that, we proclaim that in the taking of the bread and the blood of the Lamb. So, in light of the public profession that you follow Christ and your expectation that as a co-heir, you will sit at the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven with him. What is it that you will confess to him today? Not because it makes you worthy, but because you want to love your Lord well. What is it that you will profess to start doing? Since you have stopped doing this, you confess it and repent of it, what will you start doing? Not because his sacrifice demands it, but rather you desire to live a life well lived that honors and glorifies the one who gave his life for you. As a co-heir, as an adopted son, what will change in this moment in your life? What has he said to you this morning? Have you heard him? Will you hear him now? Co-heirs with Christ. It's more than his followers in that moment could believe. At times I believe it's more than we believe. But when we continue to pray and continue to walk with him and could continue to proclaim his crucifixion and his coming, it reinforces it. That we will, in fact, sit at the feast of feasts with the Lord of Lords one day. And that is worth commemorating and celebrating, professing, and living out. So let's take another two minutes as a co-heir with Christ. What is it that you will confess? What is it that you need to repent of? What is it that you will start to do? Not that that saves you. It's just a reaction to a Lord who gave everything for you on the cross. Spend these last last few minutes with him.
lonely you felt when you walked up Calvary's hill. I don't know that I've ever been that lonely, but I know that there are times when when this walk is tough. So I ask for your strength for myself, for my brothers and my sisters. says I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and because of that I stand here today as a co-heir of the king of kings amen so we have walked through fact that he wants to spend this time and earnestly desires to spend this time with you as your friend as your rabbi as your God we have taken time to hopefully reflect upon the fact that he he is all those three things but there is a responsibility that comes on the backside of his sacrifice and his deliverance from sin freedom but the Lord of Lords earnestly desires to hear our heart and our mind so in this moment let us together proclaim the crucifixion of Jesus Christ Paul writes for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it And said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also. He took the cup after supper, saying, The cup, this cup, brother, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is no greater position. Now to him who keeps you from stumbling and will present you before his glorious presence with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, dominion, majesty, and authority from before all time till now and forever more.